0: Welcome to Kingsway Way International Christian Center, Toronto, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.KICCCanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. So what I'm going to read from Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. And then we'll go to the book of Isaiah to see um, where the um, prophecy was lifted from. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. They say, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. Talking about Jesus. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And it was under the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place Where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Praise God. Praise God. So, where exactly was Jesus reading from? We know that he was reading from Isaiah. Chapter 61, All right, So let's flip very quickly to Isaiah chapter 61 and see the prophecy. Now, follow me very closely. Jesus Christ here goes to his hometown Nazareth, goes to the synagogue, reads a portion of scripture, and he has the audacity to tell people who had been reading about these prophecies that of all the prophecies you've been reading about, this very one today, it is fulfilled. What he was literally saying without saying is that your Messiah is here and is right in front of you. All right, now let's go to Isaiah 61. Let me show you how it concerns you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, opening up the prison to those who are bound, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. Now, listen closely. He says to comfort all who mourn. And to console those who mourn in Zion. Is that in your Bible? Now, we know that Zion is a biblical metaphor for the church. All right? So, when you are reading your scriptures and you see out of Zion or upon Mount Zion, the consciousness you should have is that this is a prophecy about today's church. All right? So, it's telling us here that there will be a day that my own people, my own body, will have amongst them those who mourn. And it sounds contradictory because if indeed we are his church, we shouldn't have occasion to mourn. But he says here that the anointing of the Messiah, the anointing of the Christ, is such that in addition to to setting free those who are oppressed, in addition to to delivering the poor, in addition to, to salvation and deliverance, he's saying that for my people also there is going to be a kind of comfort that I'll give to all those who mourn. And he says, for my people, the church, I will give them beauty for ashes. I will give the oil of joy for mourning. I will give the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He says that they may be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to say to yourself, I receive Beauty for my ashes. I receive beauty for my ashes. Say it like you believe it. I receive beauty for my ashes. Now, very quickly, I'm going to run us through four areas in which, biblically, we see people experiencing ashes, what we we'll call ashes. Now, this scripture is so deep, we are not going to attempt to break it down today. Alright, so don't go back home believing that. We've expounded and dissected Isaiah 61. We've not. All right. But there is a word for you somewhere there. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19. It's a story I'm very familiar with. The story about how Tamar, the daughter of David, what the Bible tells us, she was so beautiful, and her brother Amnon was so attracted to her and then he orchestrated the plan that ended up with him raping her and then he hated and detested her verse 19 i don't know if it's on your screen but let me read from here second samuel chapter 13 and verse 19 it says then tamar put ashes on her head and she tore a robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly is that in your bible is that in your bible So the first thing we are looking at here is that ashes can come into the life of a child of God by experiencing shame. And for anyone here who is dealing with shame, the Lord says he's taking that shame away. In the mighty name of Jesus, the Lord says he's taking the shame away. Now look at this story Well, there was an attempt for someone to give her justice. And we know it did not end well. Every time you recruit people to fight your battles for you, it will never end well. You might feel like, no, you've, you're not, you've not had the, the, the last say. You want to give them a piece of your mind. They abused you. You experienced so much shame. It was, it was so embarrassing. It was, it, was, it was physical abuse. It was emotional abuse. Whatever nature of abuse it was, you always, we, we always feel, feel a kind of, of closure when we see that something has happened to them, which is what exactly Absalom tried to do. Absalom for two years kept it in his heart, did nothing, acted as if all was fine. Suddenly, he orchestrated the assassination of his brother. But that was not even worth bread closure. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? I want you to say to your neighbor and say, don't fight your battles. Let God fight for you. Don't fight your battles. Let God fight for you. So the number one thing that ashes can signify there is shame, abuse, something. Some, the Bible says she wore, she had a, a, a garment of many colors, but at that time, that color didn't matter. As far as she was concerned, she could have been wearing black. It could have been black and white. All of the color in her life was gone. It is my prayer for you this morning that in any way the enemy has deliberately attacked color, glory in your life, that there will be divine restoration. In the mighty name of Jesus Every abuse that you feel you've recovered from, that you feel you've been healed from, and suddenly one trigger somewhere, it just reminds you, and it's like a fresh wound. And you're saying, God, when is this wound going to be totally taken care of? It is my prayer as I decree into your life. Not only will it be taken care of, God will give you beauty. In the mighty name of Jesus. Number two, Esther chapter four, verse three. Esther chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible tells us in the book of Esther, it says, And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived. Let me give us some background here. A man had proposed in his heart that as long as he was alive, anybody that is a Jew has no right to be alive. Not just where he was, but all over the world. Hello. Hello. So can you can you imagine such audacity? For you to just wake up and, and, and decide that some people don't deserve to be humans, it still exists in our world today. In different forms, both in passive and active forms of discrimination and racism and deliberate attacks on just a group of people. Because for the Jews, we know they were just blessed by God. There was no way you were, it's either you love them or you hate them. How can you come into a room, everybody's bowing to you and somebody's standing? The only reason why he's standing is not because he doesn't respect you, not because he doesn't feel you don't deserve respect, but the other ways we respect you, he can bow. We don't bow. Hello, are you with me this morning? We don't bow. We don't bow because you just want us. Some people will. I, I, I trust my people. if it's my people, just for peace to reign. You know, when a man is coming, they will just throw their pen on the floor. When a man is coming, you just pick it. Yeah, God, I was not bowing to him. I was just picking my pen. You know, subtle ways that you blend in, But this guy said, no, 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 no. I don't care who you are. We don't bow. Somebody say "We we don't bow. So he had sent letters, sent decrees under the authority of the king that there is a day appointed for death. And that's the next point here. Ashes can signify an appointment for death. So you can see that what we are discussing here, what God is promising us here is deep. Esther chapter 4 verse 3. And in every province where the king's command and decree arrived, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting. That fasting is not the fasting of we are waiting upon the Lord. It was a complete loss of appetite. How do you eat food when you know you are dying tomorrow? Are you still with me? So sometimes you are going through stuff in life and food makes no sense. It has no taste because you know this is the least of my problems now. I have something grave, something serious before me. For some of us, it might not be you. It might be someone in your family, somebody around you. You just know that this thing is lurking around them. By the authority in the name of Jesus, every activity of the spirit of death around anyone or any members of our families, we rebuke it. In the mighty name of Jesus, and we speak life into our families. In the name of Jesus, as 2019 wraps up, nobody will have any loss. No loss of lives, no loss of properties. In the name of Jesus. It says, with fasting, weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and in ashes. They couldn't even pray. I don't know if you've been there before. Things are so bad you can't pray. You can't even sing a song. People have said, when you are feeling that bad, and you can't sing, just play the music, and you play the music, and the first song that comes is is that God is good, and that sound of God is good. It just annoys you in a special way because God can be good, and all of this is happening. He can't be good. So even they say play the music. You can't play the music. The music is not helping matters. In that scenario, what you are is, is sackcloth, is ashes. Nothing makes sense. No form of encouragement. A, a text message just comes from pastor. Ah, we are praying for you encouraging you. You feel like draining the phone, the phone away. So don't tell me I'm praying for me. If you are praying for me, if your God answers prayers, then this shouldn't be happening. Have each rock bottom. Have held on, held on, trusted, believed, fasted, sown seeds. I shouldn't be here. Guess what? He it says he's giving you beauty for those ashes. In the mighty name of Jesus I don't care who has signed it. I don't care who has authorized it. I don't care what date they have agreed upon. But because we carry the seal of the Most High, it supersedes every other seal that is putting that fear or scare in your life. I speak into your life that every handwriting of the enemy is nullified. In the mighty name of Jesus, as we've entered into this month of December, every handwriting of the enemy over your life is nullified. In the mighty name of Jesus. So sometimes it's shame, it's abuse. Sometimes it's imminent death or imminent calamity. You just know there's no way we can keep up again. We've gotten to the rock bottom. All the credit cards are gone. The rent is overdue. Everything is basically done. The, the kids are just there. Husband, wife, everything is just scattered. Hey, guess what? That's when you appreciate his glory. That's when you appreciate his glory. Someone is saying, No, I don't need it to be that bad to see his glory. Hey, this is life. Imagine those who don't have God. These moments like that, that they, they, a voice will just say, End it. Yeah. End it. And for once, people who have been advocates, advocates, and they cry, Don't give up, don't give up. Advocates, tell you, You don't do this. For once, for the first time in their life, they've actually considered it. I could just end it. I could just end it. But guess what? If you would just hold on a little bit more. Our God, It might seem late to you, but he's never late. He's always on time. Did you hear that? His deliverance is right on time. He's never late. Somebody say glory to God. So whether it is abuse, whether it is shame, whether it is imminent death, let's go to Psalm 102. I said we are, sure we are going through four points. That signify ashes. Four points. So we're on the third one now, Psalm 102. I'm reading from verse 8 and verse 9. This is David speaking, or it was not a good time for him. He said, My enemies reproach me all day long. Hmm. My enemies reproach me all day long. Those would deride me swear on oath against me. For I have eaten. Now, this is this has graduated from just Putting ashes on the head or lying down. Can you see the graduation? In the first one, the abuse, it was ashes on the head. In the second one, imminent death, they were, they were rolling in it and mourning. This one, they, they, now I want you to see this. It says, they reproached me all day long. This is torment. Continuous torment. Continuous. It says, all day long, I have eaten ashes like bread. I mingled my drink with weeping. This must be very terrible. Now, what is this talking about? Embarrassment and torment. Embarrassment and torment. I don't know about you, but some of us have been there before. Where you know that people will come out and smile at you, smile with you, but behind your back, you know what they are saying. He said, she's, she's so foolish. We wonder. He's so dumb. We warned him. He said, He heard God. Where is this God now? And they don't say it once. It says continuously, continuously. You know, there are some people you know they can help you. But you can't even reach out to them. Because you know their help comes with conditions. They will help you and they will remind you. I want you not to marry him. I told you, you should not marry him. But you went and you married him. Now you are coming to us to feed you. We are still the ones feeding you. Did we warn you? I said, well, okay, I need to run to this, my friend. She's my bestie. We used to be prayer partners before. She's going to, she's going to get it. So said, my friend, I need this help. I said, how can you need this help? Ah, I'm going to try to help you, but they're not lecturing you. They've qualified to lecture you now. How do you even pray? Do you study your Bible? And you're like, oh my God, I still pray. I still study my Bible. Deliberate, consistent embarrassment and torture. Sometimes it's subtle, subtle. Sometimes it's even grand scale. I use you as the example from the from the from the pulpit. And you are just you, you are just there. You want to disappear. You're you just like no, like ground. Open up, swallow me now. But guess what? Guess what? God says he's giving you beauty. God says he's going to justify the facts that you heard him. Hello, did you hear that? God is going to prove to your mockers that you heard him. He's going to prove to your world that you have a relationship with him. In the mighty name of Jesus. The last group that we are talking about because of our time, this is a group that I hope that none of us falls into. Maybe those who are listening online or those who are going to, it can't be any one of us, all right? And by the time we read it, you you will see it, all right? But the reason why I think that it might be one of us is that these things are now taking funny shapes and dimensions of deception. Let's open very quickly to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 19 to 20. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 19. Now if you, if, you, if you start the book of Isaiah from the beginning, you'll see God telling his people boldly, fear not. I am your God, there is no other God beside me. I am your God, there is no other God beside me. All those idols and all those other things you are looking onto, they are going to disappoint you. None compares with me. How can you go to the forest, you caught a tree. The same hand that you used to make firewood out of the tree. You use the same hands to carve an idol and you use you. You now say this is my God and I'm going to worship you. That, really think about it. So that's the background to Isaiah chapter 44 verse 20. It is talking about dependence on another God. And you might be saying, no pastors, keep this one. Not us. We don't have any other God. We don't have any other God. And as you are saying it, your God's inside you are saying, are you sure? Are you sure you don't have any other God? Are you trying to disown me now? Are you trying to disown your dependence on your intellect? Are you trying to say that you don't have any other God? Are you trying to stylishly say that your secret open trust is not in your savings? Are you trying to say that it's not in that property or in that investment? Are you really saying you don't have any other God? Isaiah 44, verse 19, 20. He says, And no one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding, to say, I have burnt half of it in the fire. Yes, I have also baked bread on these coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He says, He feeds on ashes, a deceived heart, has turned him aside, and he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Praise God. Whenever we decide to marry a lie, we are toiling and playing with ashes. And that's why the practical ways we do that. You just choose to believe the system. You, belie- you just choose to believe the system. There are many people who is becoming increasingly popular now that there is no God anywhere. Religion is just trying to deceive you. And I believe religion really is trying to deceive, but what we have here is not religion. Hello? Am I talking to someone this morning? What we have here is, you no. Know, I don't believe in religion. Quote me anywhere. I don't believe in religion. Religion has its ways and its tactics. It's, 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 it's mass deception. You know, you, you, you supply motivation for people to do things. And some people will say, oh, I don't believe in religion anymore. My religion now is love, you know. <clears throat> and then if you can just love people, love everyone, you're fine. Yourself, what they are not telling you is the God they are pushing is the God of self. Say, so just just feel good with yourself. And that's a God. So just feel good if you're happy with yourself. Just do good. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to believe all these pastors. They just want to steal your money and buy private jets. And while you're just going to be there. So you don't have to give. You don't have to pay tithes. Just give to the poor. Be happy. Take pictures with poor kids. Fly to Africa. You know, buy people some clothes. And feel good with your life. Hey, you're getting married to Eli. Do you know what Eli is? everything that is against God's word, no matter how popular it is, no matter who said it. I know the interesting thing about this. Someone can say something that is true and something that is a lie in the same breath. It is your duty as a child of God to constantly see everything through the word of God. Does this agree with God's word? Someone comes and says, the economy in 2020 is going to crash. Unless you invest in this investment, blah, 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 blah. And anybody who doesn't do that is going to be at risk of going through the worst economic scenario of their life. Now, what you've just said is fact. Possibly fact, I mean. Possibly fact. But it is not true that there is ever a time where God has relied on the economy of the land to take care of his children. Never in the history of time. Whether there is famine or there is abundance, it is a completely different economy. Are you still with me this morning? So every marriage we have to lie, the Lord is breaking it. In the mighty name of Jesus, every belief pattern that is trying to ingrain itself in us, that is not founded on the truth of scripture, we break every association with it. In the mighty name of Jesus, I said we break every association with it. In the mighty name of Jesus... I receive beauty for ashes. I receive beauty for ashes. Why does God want to give you beauty for ashes? Why? Why does he want to take away abuse, shame? Why does he want to take away imminent death? Why does he want to remove embarrassment? Why does he want to remove torment? Many people, the more they go on social media, the more they get depressed. Because you are, you are seeing the pictures of your Classmates. And you see what they are doing now. And one will just pose with a car. You know, one Bentley. And they will just put one quote. One quote that is unrelated to the picture. <laughs> the God is good. Whether it is their Bentley or not, we don't know. But you see it and it tortures you. Like, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing? See, better embrace where God is with you. Did you hear that? Embrace where God is with you. Because we are not beholding as we see now. We are seen with the eyes of the Spirit. We've beheld the invisible. We've, we've dealt with realities. Are you still with me? Hello? It is at all levels. Grandparents, parents, young kids. The devil is bringing for every age group there is oppression for you. Every age group. Your kids just see toys. They are wondering why they don't have toys. You yourself, you just see that person. Oh, um, the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof. Thank you, Lord, for this new house. Ah, my God, new house already. Ah, in the same Canada. Ah, what's going on? It's everywhere. Everywhere. Even in ministry. In ministry, it's everywhere. Oh, how is your church doing? Sometimes they are not interested in how your church is doing. They just want to know how many members you now have. It's everybody looking for oppression left, right, and center. Why can't we just look up to Jesus? Praise God. So, why does God want to take away these ashes? Why? Two reasons. Two reasons I'll give us very quickly. Number one, you might not like this, number one. But every time you are approaching the presence of a king, there is a protocol. Nobody wearing sackcloth and ashes can come into the presence of the king. Mm. Mm. But if this king is a good king, you should see that the reason why I'm coming in the first place is even because of these ashes. So for the fact that these ashes can't get me in, what is going on here? Let me show you a scripture. Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4 verse 2. I know we read verse 3. Let's read verse 2. Let me show you verse 2. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping it is in your Bible. Is Esther chapter 4 verse 2 in your Bible? Okay, great, great. He says, he went. Who is he talking about there from verse 1? Mordecai, right? He went as far as the front of the king's gate. He says, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In the same way, every time we come into the presence of God. The Bible says, Psalm 100 verse 4. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. It is saying there that for those of you who mourn in Zion, let him orchestrate this exchange first. Give him the heaviness. Put on a new garment. All the mourning and the dejection and the abuse, leave it outside. Take that oil of joy. When you have that oil of joy, now you can enter into his presence. When you carry all those baggage, the worship won't make sense to you. It won't make sense. We'll tell you, lift your hands. The, the worship leader will think there's something wrong with them. They will know it is you. He said, lift it, they'll lift it and put it back again. You wonder if the hand is aching them. It's okay. Find any comfortable posture if you just want to sit down. They, can't, they are just looking. See, let me, let, me, let me say this. Many times people are complaining that some people are in church. They are just looking around. They are not participating. They can't participate. They can't participate. Why? Because they can't get through the gates. They can't get through the gates, so God needs these ashes taken away. He's, he's saying it's not even you that will take it away; I will take it away for you. He says so that you can enter into My presence. Hebrews four sixteen, popular scripture that we all know. He says, "Let us come what boldly, boldly, well dressed, clothed in righteousness, clothed with praise." I'm not talking about your ties and your Gucci's. Don't get me wrong. But you can bring that to, to His presence. Hallelujah! So God wants to take that, take all of that away, so that you can begin to understand what it means to worship Him properly. When we get to a place of His presence, He speaks. Hello, hello. It is the protocol of His presence. We must come with a song. During the worship this morning, I can't remember the song Sister Kemi was singing. The song that came to my heart. I've not heard the song in years old song by, I think it's Alvin Slaughter. It says, God gives his children a song. I don't know if anybody knows it. You can YouTube it and Google it. Even I can't remember this song clearly. God gives his children a song. God gives his children a song. And it is my prayer that God will give you a song. In this month of December, God will give you a song. It will be a song of deliverance. It will be a song of beauty. It will be a song of joy. In the mighty name of Jesus. The second reason, and we'll wrap up there, why God is giving you beautiful ashes is in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 4. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 4. He says, after the Messiah has done all of this, he's done this to the world, he's done this to Zion, he's brought deliverance, died for the sins of men, he's brought restoration to the, to the church, he's empowered them by his spirit to do all of these wonders. In verse 4, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 4, he says, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. Is that in your Bible? So God is taking away the ashes, he's giving us beauty so that we can rebuild. Somebody say Rebuild. He says they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair. Somebody say repair. Yeah. So God is taking this away so that we can rebuild and so that we can repair. The paradox of adversity is that many times those who have been through pain, you will think they are the ones that will champion the cause to ensure that other people don't go through that pain. But many times in life, we find that they are the ones that insist on it. They were the ones insisting on it. You see school, school owners back then They will tell you in our days, in our days we read with candle. If you are going to be successful in life, you must also read with candle. And you are wondering, shouldn't you be pushed to a point where you will say that as far as I am in the leadership position here, everybody will have good source of light for what they want to read. You'll be shocked. People will lived with others. You lived in someone's house. The person maltreated you, made you feel like crap, like garbage. Sometimes you doubted if you were human, the way they spoke to you, the way they treated you when they had guests relegated you, made you feel like, and you will wonder that this person when he's hosting somebody else will learn that I should be dignifying and caring. You'll be shocked. They're the ones that might even do worse. And they will tell you, I went through it, I didn't die. I didn't die. That's the paradox of adversity. That those who have gone through pain will come out of the pain and insist that others go through the pain. It's a paradox. It's not, it's not supposed to be. The Bible says he's restoring us so that we can rebuild and repair. So that we can rebuild and repair. So that we can rebuild and repair. I know the ashes were not pleasant, but now that he has pulled you out, you're not just coming out alone, you're pulling as many people as possible. You are saying no one connected to us in this ministry will ever experience poverty. No one connected to us in this ministry will ever experience loss. Because God has taken us through it. He has brought us out stronger. Now that we've come out, we are pulling as many people out as possible. I'm not going to insist that you must learn. You must learn. I got it by experience. You must learn it. Too. No! No! We've been called to rebuild. To repair. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. It says... Who comforts us in all our tribulations, in all our hardships, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Can you see that? That's what it means to be a vessel. That's what it means to be a vessel. When you say, God, use me for your glory, God is saying, hey, do you know what you're asking for? If you want me to use you for your glory, your life is going to be the testimony. That thousands are going to read. Are you still sure you want to do this? Is a God wait first. Let's discuss this thing. But he said, "No, it's too late. I have chosen you. I have ordained you. You will be my prophet to the nations. When people want to learn what it means to come out of adversity, let them look for my daughter. Let them hear a story. Let them hear a story and see that there is a God. He's alive. He still does great things in the in the lives of his children. There is a God." Let them see that it is possible to have been abused in the past. Hey, see, let me tell you this. Everything the enemy wants to use against you, God is using it to glorify his name. Somebody calls you up and says, does your husband know that when you were 16, you were a prostitute? Does he know that you had 10 abortions when you were in SS2? And you are just smiling because if they had said that to you last year, it will have made you to go down, to kneel down, and to break down. And say, please, don't tell my husband. But guess what? God has given me beauty now. Say, so not only does my husband know, I am now mentoring 15 girls who were also abused. So my husband knows, the world knows, and God is using this mess for his glory. Glory to God. The enemy has no tips on us. Did you hear that? He has no chips on us. Nothing to hold on to everything that the devil convinces you to hide in the cupboard. Bring it out. Let God use it. Did you hear that? It's not worse. It's not as bad as you think. You've killed people. Bring it out. You've abused people. Bring it out. Did you hear that? You've been abused. Bring it out. Let God use it. Let God use your story to convince people that God is a restorer. He's a healer of every broken heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, have you been blessed this morning? Just rise up to your feet and say, "Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I receive beautiful ashes. I receive beautiful ashes. I receive beautiful ashes. I receive beautiful ashes. I receive beautiful ashes." I receive beautiful ashes. Receive beautiful ashes. Receive beautiful ashes. Thank you, Jesus. I receive beauty for ashes. Every abuse, every shame, every death, every loss, every lie, every belief that I have ingrained. I receive beauty. I would have thought that when it comes to dealing with ashes, that God will say, I will clean it up. That would have been fine. I will clean it up. That would have been fine. He's saying, not only am I cleaning it up, I am restoring it. Not only am I restoring it, I'm not giving you normal, I am giving you beautiful. Ah, Can somebody receive that word? I am giving you beautiful. There is, listen, there is no power in this world that can guarantee that kind of restoration. If we burn down this chair, and we burn it down to ashes. There is no power in the world that can reconstruct it back. The best they can do is give you another chair. But my God says, No, 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 no. Don't say ashes. I am reconstructing, I am reconfiguring, I am not just giving it to you back as normal, I am giving it to you back as beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Very quickly, you're going to pray. You're going to pray for one neighbor, old somebody, and after that, you'll pray for yourself. Let me say this because I'm looking around the room and I know all of us in this room are born again. You can't bring it down with me. I need you to get this back. Now, listen to me. It is impossible, it is impossible for a child of God to be possessed by a demon. For a child of God, blood-bunched, it is impossible. Hello, are you following me? So no child of God can be demon-possessed. And the devil knows this. Possessed means to own. We have been bought with a price. Paid for with the precious blood. However, the devil knows that it is possible for a child of God to be demonized. Let me tell you the difference. What that means is that you can create an environment that is conducive for demons to hang around. So it's as though you are wearing them. They are are just everywhere. That person is going. Some people carry demons of anger. Everywhere they go. The atmosphere just changes. They've never said anything. They enter into a place, the whole place becomes black. If they are born again, there are people who are possessed. Don't get me wrong. If they are born again, what is happening is that they are demonized. They are under an influence. That's the best way to put it. Jesus said, Peter Upon this rock, Peter said, upon this rock, Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. After this, Peter showed up, said, Jesus, you're not going to die. Forget it. Over my dead body, you won't die. Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me. It's the spirit that work. he was rebuking. Peter, Peter that's cast out demon. Peter has done also get thee. It means that children of God, sometimes there are funny things hanging around us. Which is why when we say, "This cultivate the presence of God. They can't stay there they can't stay there the, gum, the, the the spirit of heaviness there is one of the spirits at work in our age and time today it's the, the name we give it to the hospital is depression depression that's the name it's, it's emptiness I'm not talking of sad I'm not happy my team didn't win or I'm broke I'm not happy no emptiness may you not experience it in Jesus name it's like a void like a pit and it just makes sense that men end it to pray for yourself. Father, I pray for my brother and everyone connected to him. I pray for my sister and everyone connected to her. Every activity of that demon of heaviness, every activity of that demon of depression we rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak and release a garment of praise. Let me tell you, there must be no vacuum. As that spirit is living, something else must come. Jesus said if it returns and he finds the place vacant, he looks for more worse colleagues and brings them. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. There is no room for you. In Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. You are going to put your hand, whichever part of your head is comfortable. I know sometimes, especially for the ladies, you can do your forehead wherever location on your head that you can find. You are going to say every activity of heaviness in my life, I receive a garment of praise. Every activity of depression, every every negative spirit, every ashes lingering around me, I banish you. Now, what you are doing here is you are exercising your authority and you are speaking to them. At first, they won't listen. At first, they won't listen. They need to, They need to be sure That this person knows what he's saying. That this child of God knows the authority that she carries. That this son of the Most High knows the authority that he carries. Every activity of depression, every activity of heaviness, every spirit of the times that convinces me that it won't get better, that it will only get worse. That this is my end, that this is the last they have heard of me. I silence you, spirit of depression. I silence you, spirit of heaviness. And I step out. I put on a garment of praise. I put on a garment of praise. I put on a garment of praise. For thou, O Lord,